welcome everyone to our episode on leading execution of the Lead with Purpose podcast. I'm Eva, your PAI, and today I have an amazing guest, one of the most important people in my Isaac experience, one of my favorite PAIs. Uh, he doesn't really know me that much, but I know him a lot. Um, his name is Rolf Schmachtenberg. That's how you pronounce his beautiful last name. He's from Norway originally, and he is he was PAI in 2013-14, and today he is an organizational change manager at Husqvarna Group, one of our global partners. And yeah, so he is working in the field of change management. He has a lot of experience with leadership and execution and leading change um, in his Isaac experience as PAI for sure, but also now um, post that in his professional experience after Isaac. So we invited him to share a little bit of his experience and to answer his thoughts on some of the burning questions that we have around the topic of leading execution and leading change and change leadership. So with that, um, I'm going to start by just asking you, Rolf, maybe to add on to that introduction of yourself. Maybe if you want to share anything else with us and how are you feeling um, joining us today? Hi, Eva. Hi, everyone. Yeah, great. It's uh, very exciting to be uh, here in the podcast and I'm really looking forward to this topic, something that I uh, <laughs> have, have a lot of perspectives on. So uh, hopefully I can share some of them with you. And uh like an old Isaac dinosaur, it's uh, it's always exciting to be uh, connecting back with the organizations and, and with MCPs in particular. Uh, I think uh, my MCP term, uh, uh, I think I think it's a, the best year I had in Isaac uh, out of all my years. Uh, it was really fantastic. So yeah, super excited. Amazing, thank you, Rolf. So we're going to start with the first question. Um, it's a very general question to start diving into the topic, and it's um, what do you think is the role you believe that leaders play in the effective execution of plans, like any type of plans? What do you think is the role of leaders? There's an old uh, management saying, which is uh, uh, people pay attention to what you pay attention to. And I think uh, leaders uh, to be really focused on what is uh, the thing we're trying to actually do uh, and what are we trying to achieve here and what actions does that mean, I think makes it makes a huge difference. And I think um, in my experience today, but even when I was in ISEC, I think uh, every single day an MCP and a leader is, is impacting actually the execution of the plan depending on what you pay attention to and depending on what you ask and what questions you ask so i think there's a huge impact there uh, and it's really one of the key roles i would say of a leader of a team hmm, that's very interesting and it, it is true because i can whenever you were saying that i was just reflecting on my current role as pai and thinking whenever i would pay attention to something in a specific meeting then the next meeting, people would bring more information to that, just but unconsciously, or or they would automatically think that's more important, um, even if I'm not telling them that, just because of my natural biases. So it's important to be conscious about that. Like, what are you paying attention to? Um, so that's super cool. Thank you for sharing that. Then the next question I have for you is: uh, You were in Isaac before, and for a long time um as well like you in in fact you did three ai terms which is a lot and i'm the only person who has done that since you and i think i will be the last one for a while because it's a lot so with that and all of your experiences also being an mcp yourself managing mcps working with a fellow like former mcps in your ai terms or whatever uh, what do you think are the common mistakes you learned that mcps make when trying to lead their teams towards executing on their plans yeah i think i think MCPs have a really tough job because I think you are uh, somewhere between trying to lead 
in the direction of the global organization, but then you have a lot of opinionated MCVPs and LCPs who have a lot of opinions and, and let's pay attention to this. And we have this shiny opportunity over here and our members say this and, and, and it's complicated. I think I would break it down to three things if, you, if we're looking for common mistakes. Um, so the first one is to try to play the mediator always and, and to, try to, to try to be a neutral almost like facilitator, either in the MC team or the LCPs, I think you need to be willing to take a stand. You are leading something, you're leading towards somewhere, and it is not an objective to be a neutral facilitator. Now, of course, uh, in in a good team discussion, you, you want to make sure everybody's heard and you want to make sure people's opinions are said. But at some point, you also need to have kind of the the guts and, and the... Yeah, to understand that the part of the role that you are elected to is to lead the team and the country somewhere. So that would be the first, maybe, let's say, call it mistake that I've seen. Um, second one is actually related to structure. Um, and it's maybe a little bit in the built-in part of ISEC, but I, when we often select our teams, MC teams, uh, and even their roles long before we have a plan. So we say, oh, I'm going to have a VP OGX and I'm going to have a, I don't know, VP communications. Communications still exists, I guess. I, I'm not going to say any, any terminology because I'll be all wrong. But we, we decide that really early, often when we're, we're elect. And then later we go and we plan, right? And then we plan and we say, oh, these are our focus areas. And this leads to two things that can happen. First of all, you start planning on the roles that you've selected as opposed to actually planning outside in, what do we want to achieve and, and so forth. So if I have a VP communications, we should probably plan some communications, right? That's the wrong way around. <laughs> you, it, it's really the other way around. And, and the other thing that happens is that if you do a really good plan, almost always there's a mismatch between the roles that you put in paper like months and months before and the actual need of your plan. So in the end, you haven't resourced your plan. You have a plan on one hand and then you have some roles and responsibilities on the other hand. And that leads to that mismatch, if not adjusted, leads to people executing on things that are not the most important thing to execute on. So the second thing is really about the structure. Yeah. So, so that, that we don't have a structure in our teams that matches the plan. Um, and uh, if I just take a moment uh, to talk about my own term, that happened to me as an MCP. Um, and uh, actually that... Uh, if I can say failure, really kicked in in uh, Q4. So really between uh, after we had done our recruitment, we were in the Northern Hemisphere. So we did our recruitment in August, September, which was really good. And then we were, and we were well structured for that, uh, supporting LCs. And then we had like a plan to execute really on um, on outgoing exchange was like our key 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 focus. Uh, but I, I, you can laugh at this. I didn't have a VP OGX. <laughs> I just had people who were coaching the LCs. Uh, and each of the, and, and the logic I had was that each of them was going to have OGX in their job description, right? That was the logic, right? And this made a lot of sense on paper. It didn't work. In the end, I didn't have somebody in my team who was driving that specific target. That was a focus of our thing. In the end, it led to us uh, reorganizing internally in the MC at the end of the quarter four. And voila, I had a VP OGX who did a great job, Luca, uh, I remember you, uh, who, who reorganized and, and Luca took charge of that. And then we, we really grew as never before almost. Um, 
uh, once once we had that. It's not the only reason, but it was one of the reasons. And uh, you can you can do like me. You can wait the whole quarter, or you can uh, do it beforehand. <laughs> it's uh, it's up to you. <laughs> and uh, so so that's that's the second thing about resourcing and a bit of personal anecdote. And the third thing that I think uh, uh, is that uh, MCPs themselves are not willing to be focused enough, hard enough, if I can say like that. And those five focus areas you have, hmm, not going to happen. Those three focus areas you have, also not going to happen. You know how many focus areas you can have? One. (laughs) You can have one. And anyone who tells you you can have more is lying to you. Uh, And they're lying to you from a good place usually because they want to achieve more. But you have to at some point decide what is the one thing that we are going to do. And the term is short, believe me. And uh, what's the one thing? I never learned this in ISEC. I was just uh, talking with Eva before the call here. We had four focus areas when I was PAI. It was too many. (laughs) I agree with that so much uh, now that you say it. I have a question actually now that I'm, I'm just interested because... A lot of our teams in ISEC now are smaller. And I remember talking about this with you and you saying like, hey, you probably have like three times the amount of people that you actually need. So I just want to know, like, for example, imagine the plan, like if the plan changes in the middle, like, do you think structure should change? And like, how many times changing structure is not not good? Or is it like, at which points should the structure keep flexible as well to respond to different phases of the plan or um, changes that you might have to make in the plan in the middle or or towards a certain period in the term. Yeah, my personal belief is that that structure is uh, should be really flexible because structure is not is not a goal in itself, right? Um, now the challenge might be that individual people have a specific preference or a specific motivation, right? But but that means that you you have to make sure that your the way you change your plans and make plans that you you create a lot of ownership around that, and and um, again I mentioned about our, our restructuring. I mean, <laughs> Raluca, you know who you are. Never applied to be a VP of GX. She she knew exactly why she wanted to apply. She applied to be a, a, a VP organization development, to work with talent management, and work with LCs. That's why she applied. That was her motivation. But but Raluca and my team, we were really committed, and we understood where we needed to go. And Raluca stood up in that training and she, in that uh, replanning, which was in December, and she said, "We need a VP of GX, and I can be the one." And so, in the end. I think that's a lot about involvement of your team. But but to your question, I think structure should be should be really flexible. That's my belief. Uh, then it doesn't make sense to change structure every week. Uh, it also doesn't make sense to replan every week. I mean, you have to have a um, reasonable time to execute your plan before you can say it's the right plan or the wrong time. Um, but uh, the but side of that is if you... If you know today that you need to replan, then don't wait until you're planning this. Then do it now. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just know and you're waiting and it's like, well, why are you waiting? And that'll just give you less time later. Yeah. yeah, especially if you are already the MCP, right? Because um, that can happen if, I mean, if you don't have control over it, it can happen. But if you are actually responsible for the plan of the team, very easily can be something to address. Um that's great. And then in terms of uh, like for the next question that I have prepared for you, like what do you think are some good examples of change leadership that you've seen in Isaac? Like, and no, sorry, not in Isaac, after Isaac. And what have you, like what are the key elements or things that you learned in your experience after Isaac that maybe you wish you knew before? Like, oh, I wish I knew this when I was MCP or when I was PAI or something like that. 
Yeah, so a couple of things here. So one of the things that um, that I'm always talking about in my job at a Two Corner Group is uh, senders of messages. So who is it that people need to hear messages from? And if it comes to the why, so why are we doing something, uh, that needs to come from the top organization. So if you are in a country and you need to talk about why you want a new business model or why you want a new exchange focus or why you need to change your pricing or uh, why you need to do something instead of something else, uh, the why of that needs to be communicated directly by the MCP. Uh, and it uh, can be you know, supported by an MCVP, but it needs to, that needs to come from there. It's a, if it's a bigger change, if it's like a change on global level, actually the why needs to come from the PAI or from the AI team. So that's on the why. The second sender of message is about personal messages. And that's about how does it impact me? And there people don't want to hear from the MCP or from the PAI. They want to hear from their direct team leader. So they want to hear from their team leader, okay, I hear the MCP is saying this, but what does that mean for our team? And then I need to hear from a team leader. Now, if you're going to make that work, that team leader needs to be able to answer that question. So actually, in your preparation for that, you need to make sure that team leader knows what it means for him and her team. And that takes a little bit of time as well and, and, and effort. So, so this is like something that I push all the time. And you're asking what are good examples of that that I've seen. So I just... Uh, last week, we we are making some changes where in our um, in our company uh, in Husqvarna Group, where we are uh, really supporting managers to uh, use our like a global process to 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 drive their own recruitments and uh, and so forth. And this is a little bit quite a lot of change for a lot of those managers who up until now are getting kind of like back office support for these things. And now they're going to do a lot of the things themselves. And actually, in order to drive that message of why, we had. Uh, all our divisional senior VPs uh, that we put in a call to, to drive that message. And it's, it's, the managers have to hear it from them. Why is this important? Why are we going there, et cetera? And that's uh, uh, last week, um, it was all virtual. It was a call. Uh, but uh, there I really saw uh, our VPs, our divisional VPs of HR, they took such responsibility of explaining the why, of taking the time, uh, and a really addressing questions and why this is important strategically and for the business. And and you already, that was last week, and you already see like after three days, like people are like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, people who previously were a bit skeptical to this are now asking, okay, I understand this is where we're going. How can we go there? They're asking. And so, so that's a really, that's like very concrete. It happened in my job like last week and is a great example of, of change leadership and leading change in terms of the why. That's super interesting. And then like, yeah, people are already having the desire to get better and like the curiosity to understand how to do it and they're willing to work on it from the moment of like from the beginning. So it's all about working in, in that sense from, from that perspective. And what do you think is something that you learned now that you wish you knew before, like when you were in ISEC, something that maybe you would have done differently that you learned about later on? So, so one thing um, I can talk about, like, um, when I was PAI, which to some of you must, must sound like ancient history, I was PAI in 2013, 2014. And if you if you ever like worked with, um, I don't know, know if you still have that, but uh, the IT system called Expa and you think it's really bad, then probably I'm the person that you need to blame uh, because we are the ones who, who first uh, did that implementation. Now, one thing that I, I think we talked about, but I didn't really fully realized the consequence of was that we were not actually trying to 
create a new IT system. That was not our goal. What we were trying to do is we were trying to change the business model of Isaac. Um, and, and we had ideas around that regarding that Isaac was not going to survive uh, in a world where, where we were uh, thinking of ourselves as, as monopolists of the opportunity to go abroad for young people. Like neither young people nor, nor companies, we believe, need Isaac for that. So we need to be open to the world and then we need to provide value inside the experience. That was kind of the business model that we were proposing based on what we saw in the market. Uh, but what I what I didn't realize is that if you if you want to really change that business model and that understanding, you need to spend a lot of time with the organization to really anchor that, to really get people on board with that, to understand the why of that. I mean, what is the burning ambition here? What is the burning platform? Why can't we do things like we have been doing them? And I think in practice, I thought or we thought if we do a really good IC, if you do a really good launch, if you do a really good like marketing in the first two weeks, then that'll be fine. And then we can launch it and then we'll have a new business model. And in the end, <laughs> for good or for bad, um, in the end, I think we implemented a new IT system and maybe some things were good and some things were bad, but I don't think we really drove the change we had. And I think that's, you know, zooming back out to what you said, like that's something that I really wish that I had seen more clearly what was needed to drive that kind of fundamental change. Because it it's a really fundamental change for an organization like ISEC and I think for any organization, if you want to really change your business model. And if, you, if you're really dealing with fundamental change, that should be your only focus. First, like going back to what I said before, you should really resource that and you should really spend time on that because that is so fundamental. And then you need to let go of other things, right? Which I didn't and we didn't. Makes sense. Nice. Thank you so much. Um, when you were working in ISEC, um, either as MCP or PAI, whichever you want to prefer, like what do you think you were good at when it came to leading execution or like practicing change, change leadership? Like what do you think were your strengths or things that you were made that think you were very good at naturally? If I can be so non-humble and say that I think in just in leading execution, that's probably one of my strengths. And I think it boils down to really simple things and really practical things. So, and, and really practical um, manifestations of that. So uh, really concretely every week, have a weekly meeting where it's very clear what are the priorities of all my VPs. This was as MCP and this was later as, as PAI. And if they couldn't explain to me what they were doing and what the outcome was this week and what they were going to do and how that was contributing to our plan, then I would like in the meeting be like, yeah, they would like be, be in a one-to-one -one discussion with me in front of everybody else about their weekly priority, right? Now, that might not be like the most... People might not appreciate that, like to really be like that. But what it leads to, a little bit to what I said before, is that people start really paying attention to their focus, right? So they 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 really like, yeah, this is what I'm doing, and this is what I need to be doing, and this is how that contributes, and this is the outcome. And I think this is something I did really well as an MCP. I think I did it quite well as a as a as a PAI, especially the last part of my term. And that really leads to execution because and that leads to that's what people are then tracked on, and that's what what people are doing. And so that's one. And the other thing that I think I did well is to clear clear out the conversations of everything else. We, we stop talking about other stuff. These things are what we talk about. This is what we focus on. And even not allowing, uh, you know, in the middle of execution, like other things to distract us. So, so I, I would say, yeah, uh, that, was, that was something that I, I'm quite good at. Uh, and, you know, that type of leadership style is not for everyone, you know. So not everyone thinks like that was a lot of fun. Uh, but actually, 
would say all of the people that I led later have come to me and said, yeah, you kept us so focused. You kept us so on track. Um, and that's something I take quite a lot of pride in. That's very nice. And how do you think people can develop that skill? I mean, for you, it's already a, a strength that you say it comes natural to you and that's your style. But let's say, imagine there are people here listening to us that are the opposite people who are, it's very hard for them to prioritize. It's very hard for them to like, you know, pick that battle or they don't have that confidence. Like what would be your advice for those kinds of people who are not like you in that sense? I think the first thing is being honest with yourself and see like, why am I here as an MCP? Like, why did I apply for this role? I mean, there's something you wrote in your application. There's a reason why you click that button to send the application. What is it? What is that burning thing? And what is it that you would like to see? And be open with yourself about that. And then also be open with your team about that. You know, I think um, rather than trying, as I said before, about facilitating this uh, in between everyone, be open with your team and say, hey, you know, I applied to MCP because I really want us to be like this, like this, like this. And that's really important to me. That's really important to me as an MCP. Be authentic. And I think... Authenticity is something that we all have inside of us. Uh, it's just something that we sometimes mistakenly, I would say, we hide it because we think that we are afraid that the true me is not going to be loved or is not going to be appreciated. Uh, and my learning from being both PAI and uh, and later on in life is that authenticity is like the most powerful thing. And actually, I mean, this is a bit of a digression, but I think at the beginning of my PAI term, that's one of the biggest mistakes I made. Not that I consciously wasn't trying to be authentic. It, was, it wasn't, wasn't that kind of thing, but I was trying to be everything to everyone. Uh, and I was trying to be, I'd, I'd seen other PAIs before me, and you can imagine maybe previous MCPs have done really well or you you admired. And I was trying to be all those people at once. You know, I was trying to like, I want to take this strength from here and this strength from there. And and it was all good intentions, but somewhere along there, who was I and, and what was my authenticity, both in terms of what I wanted to achieve, but also in terms of my behavior and, and my thing. And actually that reflected back out into the organization. I think people, people, you know, what is it like in our human instinct? They can smell that even or something like that. And so people got really, who's this guy? Like, like, what is this? Like they couldn't really get the feel for it. And I think that is a mistake that I made. And it wasn't a conscious mistake, but it's something that I think we can all slip into when we feel insecure and we're in a new role and we want to do really well and, and, and so forth. And, you know, the advice, which is, which is hard to, it's easy to give, but hard to take is like, do you dare to be authentic, you know? And, and maybe if, if there's only one VP in, in your team that you can be authentic with, it'll be authentic with that person in a one-to-one and then ask them for advice and, and for support and say, hey, I would really like to be authentic with the whole team. How can I do that? So I think that's, that's I think, that's through that door is the answer to how you can then also be focused and be, and really lead that execution. Because once you're authentic about what you care about, then it becomes easy also to say, hey, that's, that's what I want to talk about. And that's what I want us to plan. And that's what I want us to execute, you know? So that's that's my experience. Makes sense. And like, for example, now, uh, one thing that I was just, it's not a question that I prepared, but just something that I was thinking about. Um, how do people prioritize change, right? Like what comes first? What comes later? What I choose now? What's the most important thing internally as an MCP? Because also there are so many things going on, you know, like how AI has like million plans, million ideas. There's 2025 there with million projects. Like there's, and it's Isaac. So everyone sees million possibilities and the world has so many issues that we want to 
we're eager to work on and we're eager to contribute to naturally as young people who want to change the world and make it better. Like how do you, what are, do you think some simple steps that MCPs can follow to choose what's the most important battle or the most important change or the thing that they will fight for and the one priority or area of focus that they should stick to? Because I think if this podcast is successful, people will come, listen, review their plan and choose, this is what I'm going to work for. And then everything else will come second or third, or it will not even be on the table. Right. So what would it be from your perspective, some way for people to take that choice? I think uh, if, if nothing has changed more dramatically than what I think since I was in ISEC, at, at a basic point, ISEC is a youth-led and youth-driven organization that is trying to develop and empower youth for a better, to become better people and for a better world. I think that's like a very simple way. And the key question is, who, how are you doing that? How are you helping young people become better? And and in the end, and I know this is like people don't like some terms and stuff, but it's really about providing value for young people. And what do you need to provide value in, in your country, in, in your reality to provide value? And what kind of value is that, right? So, you know, if if it's a, if you talk about exchange programs, right? You, you value really means that that you really want to provide a program that provi- that that meets some sort of demand. That's a demand that either people come to your country to have a professional or a volunteer experience. They really get value out of that. And h- what do you need in order to to make that valuable? That's the question. Or if you're looking at uh, the outgoing side, I mean, it's it's the same but flip. If you're looking at your your membership experiences, how is it really valuable to work in ISEC? How is it really valuable to you know to do that? work and i think one of one of the things that that i can be quite critical about about isaac sometimes is if internally if you don't design like really valuable roles for people in in delivering your exchange program then people aren't going to do a very good job and they're not going to like deliver on it so you know if you're going to choose what to focus on what what is the value you're going to provide to young people and how are you going to provide that and which of your programs or which of your focus areas is really going to provide that value? I think that's the that's what I would see. And I think if if your answer is, I'm not sure that we really are providing value, then you should scrap all of them and find a new focus area. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Thank you so much. That's very easy to, like very uh, tangible and uh, implementable. Um, so then we're coming to the end. I have two more questions for you. One of them is, um, if you were like in the beginning of your MCP term right now, um, where would you start to ensure you can guarantee successful change leadership, like within your own role as, as an MCP, right? Like, hey, I'm here sitting down. I have my MC plan. I have my plenary. What, Where can I start to ensure that I can fulfill my role in leading the change successfully in my term? Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in practical things and art, artifacts. I don't know if that's a complicated word, but but artifacts are like symbols of things. And so this, this sounds like really like an old man talking. My advice is take your plan and the focus area or a couple of focus areas you have and put them up somewhere physically. If you have an office, that's it. If it's a, a background on your Zoom, make like put it as a background of your Zoom, like two headlines and, and in any call you have those two things are there if it's I, I don't know where else you can put it but but make it really visible like this is what we're doing and people need to see that all the time like all the time wherever the context there is also your MC meetings or your conferences or if they're virtual or physical or your LCP meetings or whatever structure them around that so if you have two focus areas you say okay that's the agenda focus area one 
Focus Area 2. If you, have, if you have an MC meeting, that's the agenda. Focus Area 1, Focus Area 2. If people are going to put personal personal plans, then you know they choose one or they do both, but they can only plan according to that. So it's like front to back. like And, and, and make that very practical. Put that in your meeting structures, visible, etc. If you do that, like to what I started with, right? What you pay attention to, people are going to pay attention to. So if you do that, immediately that's going to be what people start talking about and that's going to be where people start executing and putting their efforts and then you will see that uh, that's also where gaps will appear so if you have gaps in your plan that well we don't know how to solve that yeah well then you need to find a solution to that because that's what's going to come up um so that's my very practical advice of how to uh, how to get guarantee there's never a guarantee in life that's also something to learn but how to to a higher extent support uh, success and, and to make success more likely uh, to, to drive that change that you want to see in your national plan. I have a question for you, actually, because now I'm having a memory. When I was LCP, I remember having like a life tracker on my wall of like our funnel of all of like the overall performance of the of the LC. And so I, every day before sleeping and when I woke up, I went to Expa, check my performance and update the post-its in my wall. Um, and then of course I was always talking about this, always sending pictures to people of this thing and like it was everywhere, but then I don't think I did that on my own. So probably you were talking to people about this when you were PAI, no? Like put it everywhere or something, because I kind of have a memory of hearing you talking about this. And I Probably. think I actually did it, and my LC achieved the goal, and everyone was obsessed with it. And I don't remember any time in my experience being like as focused, like laser focused, as I was back then when I was LCP. I do think as when you grow in your experience in Isaac, it it becomes harder because you have more problems to deal with, or more people telling you about problems to deal with and telling you that their problem is the most important one. But it's it's also good to know, in a way, like let's remember simpler times and. Keep it simple in that sense. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's uh, and and I'm a really big fan of things on the wall. Like even now in my company, and we have this like fancy modern like uh, activity-based office, and I'm like, which part of the wall can I have to put things on? And, and you know, the receptionist doesn't like it because the wall should be pretty. And I'm like, yeah, but I want it. So I'm I'm a big pain in the ass for that. Makes sense. Um, nice. And then, like, maybe the last uh, last question that I will ask you, and then you can just say whatever if you want to add, uh, would be if there is one, like, call to action or last piece of advice that you would give people to, like, to make this not be a thing that they only do for one week after this, but that they actually embed into their behavior as an MCP until the end and hopefully transition that. Uh, because I do think that one part of this is style, but a lot of it is just our job, like to lead people to execute something or to lead the change of a specific growth strategy or goal that we're trying to achieve. It is not mandatory. It's kind of mandatory. No one's tracking you, but that's your job. So what would be that thing that you would say can help them to stick to it and not just do it for one week after they listen to this? So I'll say this. I don't know. I don't know if your MCP term is going to be success or failure. Uh, and I don't know who's going to define that, if you're going to define that yourself or if you're going to let someone else define it. I, I would suggest at first that you yourself should be the master of that. But, you know, if you're going to fail, I'm going to take the downside. If you're going to fail, make sure you fail at something you really believe in and something you're really committed to. Like, make sure you failed at that. Because 
that you can own and that you can learn from. Then you can say, you know, I really believe in this. I tried my best. This was my best effort. This was the best I could do. And then you can learn so much from that. But if you fail at something that someone else told you and someone else believes in, and that was their plan and their ideas and their way of doing things, and you fail at that, you'll never forgive that because in the end, that's not your experience and that's not your learning. So, you know, we, everybody wants success. But uh, if, you, if you're going to choose a way to fail, 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 at, fail at it your way and at, at your plan. So if you're talking about like executing and, and f- having a focus and so forth, make sure it's yours and it's yours to own. Um, and I, uh, I've been there. I've been there where I've... Uh, I've succeeded with things that I believe in and I also be, I failed with things that I believe in but I've also been where I failed the things that other believed in and the last is the worst feeling it's really the worst feeling because then then you feel like you were just a almost a puppet in in their show and it's your show it's your MCP term and uh, and uh, it's only you who can get what you want to get from it that makes a lot of sense thank you so much Rob for your time and wisdom uh, and all of the learnings and advices. Um, I think they are very useful. There are things that I was writing down just for transition because I don't have much of my term left, but I can pass those things along. And I'm sure that the MCPs who are listening also have a lot of notes and things that they want to do. And they're probably writing already things on the wall and going crazy with that. So thank you for that. I don't know if you have anything else um, that you would like to share or leave behind before we close. You know, I'll tell the MCPs a secret that AI doesn't want you to know. There's not, you know, in the end I was MCP, I was MCVP and I was MCP and I was AI for three years. And in the end, the thing that you, that you take with you is like the wonderful relationship with people that you, uh, that you come out with. That's what you really take with you. And the truth is, I don't remember our exchange numbers. It's the truth. I don't remember what they were. Um, but what I do remember is fighting really hard for them with people I really care, care, care for and care about still. And uh, in the end, uh, the, the amazing thing about being MCP is that you never know where, where it leads you. Uh, eventually, when I was MCP, that's how I met uh, my now wife, my now was also an MCP, who uh, is uh, the mother of uh, our child. Uh, and that's um, ultimately... When we got married, more than a hundred of the guests were from ISEC. So be careful in your MCP. You don't know where it can lead you and, and really enjoy your term. Amazing. Yes, that's a very nice closing message. Thank you so much, Ro, for your time. And that's it. See you in the next one, people. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye.